AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Ah, uh, ye, ye. It's Waiting on Reparations. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, now this is a story all about how Knife came up with a new lifestyle. Walking out the store with a few white owls, like surf subdued, and then you wipe out. All started at age six when I came to hate this makeshift matrix. Talking about fake shit, interested in words, and I started to play with. Took it from the journal and out to the pavement. Bulletproof, ain't no hurting the G By myself, cause Mariah on maternity leave And I turn it hot, make it to a certain degree Eat rappers like I'm eating up a burger with cheese Dope <laughs> Hey, what's going on? This is Dope Knife And you are listening to Waiting on Reparations Man, it feels weird I like I wanted to stop for a second And let Mariah say and lingua franca and then we would say the you know how it goes but today i am by myself at least for this beginning of the episode mariah is on her leave the baby hasn't come yet but we're waiting but she's officially on her break so it is just going to be me rapping on this one and opening it up for you Got another banger of an episode coming up. It's going to be an interview that Mariah did with Robin Wensley Warlabah, who is a Democratic Socialist that's running for Minneapolis City Council. They're going to be talking about their journey to get into this point of running for office, police brutality, rent control, a bunch of cool shit coming up. Um, but let's see, what do I want to? What do I want to talk about with you guys today before we get there? Oh, New York rapper Ka. That's K.A. if you guys haven't heard of him from Brownsville. I've been a huge fan of his for at least eight years now. <clears throat> and he, he put out a couple albums that I really dug. But he just put out a new joint called The Martyr's Reward that, oh my. Shorty critical, 
many in the rest could attest to what we endure living through, either with a belt or a bullet. That's how I was taught things. I was on every summer if wonder why I ain't want no offspring. I mean, we don't usually, you know, outright, like, recommend stuff on this show more or less just say what we think is dope you know pertaining on the topic that we're talking about music and but this album i have to i gotta give it up and i gotta <laughs> use my little bit of a platform to big up this album the martyr's reward by ka if you are in the mood for some like lyrical thoughtful hip-hop you know i mean to be honest with you the shit is like it's like the hip-hop equivalent of reading a novel is how I would describe Ka's music in this album in particular. It's like the way he uses prose and stuff is just, it's nuts, but highly recommended. That's what I'm listening to. I've had that shit on repeat, so y'all need to check that shit out. What else is interesting? Oh, um, Candy, Candace Owens, uh, the right-wing conservative pundit. Apparently she's being sued by a fellow black right winger for $20 million for saying that they're a strip club madam. (laughs) So that's that story. Um, You know what? Let's not even waste any more time. Uh, We're going to be right back with that interview for you right after the break. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. 
Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This week, I have the distinct honor of being joined by Robin Wonson Wolobaugh, a Democratic Socialist running to be Minneapolis' first Black Socialist Councilperson to represent Ward 2. She is a Chicago native, a community activist, a labor organizer, and from what I can tell, an all-around dope person. So Robin, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. How are you? What's good? Yes, thanks so much for having me, Mariah. Like, I'm so glad to be able to also support like powerful black fans who are doing great hey, things like yourself. Up? So like Queens Unite, I'm I'm so excited to be here and just talk about this. I would say like history making campaign that we're running over here in Minneapolis. Yeah, so you uh you know I've, I've looked at your platform extensively. There's a lot of exciting stuff on it, but for you, what uh actually no, let me take it let me take a step back. I'm so excited to talk about politics and <laughs> huge policy. I'm like, yes, let's go. But let's learn a little about who you are as a person, because I'm mm-hmm. sure your experiences working to uh uh radically transform our, you know, the prison industrial complex, mm-hmm. working with the education, the, these backgrounds very much inform the policy that we're gonna talk about in a little bit. So tell us a little bit how you got here. So you came from Chicago, you're in Minneapolis now. What led you to uh, this moment of running for Minneapolis City Council? Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, coming from Chicago and actually coming to Minneapolis, thinking like this is going to be, you know, my liberal refuge from like, like life is hard over in Chicago. So I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to give me a good job because that's how Minneapolis is market. You know, my housing is going to be for the low. We just going to live our best lives. And then literally within a year of being here, um, Jamar Clark was murdered by Minneapolis police um, in 2015. Um, And for me, it was like, whoa, okay. So the same stuff that's happening in my hometown and literally everywhere else, that happens here. Um, And what really moved me to like start joining like some of the frontline struggles was really our own BLM chapter that really like came into fruition um, in the midst of um, that high profile murder of Jamar. Um, I mean, these folks, we're talking about black working class folks literally holding space, occupying the fourth precinct police station, um, you know, literally seeing the things that it's become norm now, like with withstanding like tear gas and rubber bullets, like just all out attacks from not only the police themselves for just simply saying you can't kill us um, and nor will you continue to just enact violence on us and just, you know, continue to live your lives while we carry on the suffering and the trauma from those experiences, they not only got attacked from that, but they also got attacked from the Democratic establishment. Like every progressive of all the colors um, came out was like, nah, y'all need to stop doing this. This is not the way in which we get changed, which is completely false. And I think for me, it was like a wake up call. In that moment, I immediately like joined the front lines with black working class people and trying to get justice for Jamar Clark. And that segue into me joining our workers' rights struggle um, that was also happening at the same time, uh, which was leading a 15 minimum wage fight. And I already know, like coming from Southside Chicago, uh, heavily policed communities are also historically divested communities. And those are the areas where we do not have, you know, investments in quality jobs or livable wage jobs. So for me, it's like, it's a no brainer. Like we need to make sure working class people have more money in their pockets and any effort that is trying to transfer, you know, power, I mean, not power, but wealth 
from the hands of like the minority 1% and back into the pockets of working class people, like I'm down for. Um, So immediately joining those efforts and then seeing the Democratic establishment once again go every, like go through every tactic and blockage that they could throw at us to make sure that not only your communities remain over police, but we are also not going to provide you with the solutions, like more wages um, to make your life better in this city. We want you to continue to suffer. And I think the seeds were planted for me at that time where we got to start building our own independent political power in this city or folks are going to continuously get killed. And unfortunately, Jamar Clark was not the last. Um, And unfortunately, Jamar, I mean, even George Floyd after last year, he was not the last. We've continued to have these and people are still struggling. Joblessness rates are still going up. We have growing tent encampments across the, the city. We have a serious opioid crisis that's also interwoven into all these other crises that we're experiencing. And it's very clear we need new leadership. And not only new leadership, but people who understand that the system we're up against is, is racial capitalism that wants working class people to uh, struggle, that wants black people to just be bearers of state violence and not say nothing, go to work and be happy that you got a job that pays you pennies. And it's just like, mm-hmm. no, we're done with that. We're done with that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you've touched on so many different issues and the ways that they intersect from police brutality to homelessness, the opioid crisis economic justice. So what would you say is the number one priority for you when you get in office? When is your election, first of all? Wait election a is November 2nd. Okay, yes. so we, we don't have much time. We no, we don't. Word it's out about time. <laughs> so when you get in there, you get so you win the election in November, you get sworn in, what, like January, January something like that? Yeah. So yeah, so Robin's in there January 1st. What's going down on the city council first thing first? Biggest thing is public safety. Um, that is the fight of this race, and it's a fight on both sides of we have a candidates and a mayor um and corporate driven lobbying forces that are literally um launching a, a forceful campaign that says we need to support the police more than ever we need to be making sure that we're fully funding the department so literally retaliating against the demands of last year's you know historic global uprising um that took place in the wake of george floyd's murder and we have candidates like myself who are running on, you know, continuing that movement that we experienced where it's like, no, we need to not continue in continuing, you know, this investment into institutions that kill us, that does not abide in our collective well-being. We need to start investing in, in housing because housing is public safety. We need to be investing into public schools because public schools and education is public safety. We need to make sure we're um, really bringing about a Green New Deal because clean air, clean water, that is public safety. And those are all the things that working class people need. And that's the things that we want to emphasize when we're elected. Like, public safety is not isolated to policing. We need to be making mass social investments through attacks on the rich to fund the actual solutions, the preventative you know, solutions that makes our community safe, that allows working class people to have a quality of life. And one of the ways in which we're going to do that is one of the big things that's happening in Minneapolis in this election where working class people will likely have a vote on is passing Yes for Minneapolis, which is uh, one of the, the campaigns that came out of, you know, last year's movement to really divest from the police and move those resources towards other, you know, um, uh, departments and services that keeps our community safe. Um, So that will be voted on on November 2nd. And if that passes, 
then I, along with my colleagues, will have the very serious task of fighting for an ordinance that makes sure that department does not just propagate the status quo of policing that we know does not work and that continues to harm black people and brown people and poor folks. And if folks want to check out what our vision is for public safety, we have a lot more thoughts of that, like making sure we're fully funded 311. We're expanding an unarmed workforce. We de- we're demilitarizing this department so people can't shoot people with tear gas. Because why? Why? You, you no, know, like, like, why? It's not that serious, bro. Um, and making sure that we're also having a democratic oversight structure over this new department. So we just released our own comprehensive public safety plan that we plan to fight for, regardless of what happens with Yes for Minneapolis. Um, When we're elected, like that first hundred days of like, this is how we make sure we have a public safety system that doesn't, you know, support uh, a apartheid structure of our city where black people get policed and killed and rich people get safety and, and, and wellness calls when wrong people look like they're they're in their neighborhood like no we're, we're ending that i feel that yeah i mean like public safety encompasses so much it it can be hard to like pull the threads out with regards to a concrete starting point like because you have to have you have to deal with it comprehensively and so to say oh we just gonna like focus on the housing oh we just gonna focus on the on the the environmental uh, health and well-being of our communities etc it's like nah. It's like it's everything together. It yeah. So yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um, I uh, I'd love to hear more about this uh, this wealth tax that yeah. you're interested in implementing. So tell us a little bit about uh, how that would work and what you and what you want to accomplish with it. Like what you want to get done when yes. it, when that comes to fruition. Yes. I mean, when it comes to public safety, like when we're talking about like making these so like mass social investments, we know it's going to take revenue. And of course, like the revenue is there. What we're heard or are told time and time again is that, no, we can't prioritize housing. We can't prioritize public housing. We can't prioritize like actually hiring unarmed public safety workers because we ain't got the money. No, you got the money. You just want to use that to uh, direct more subsidies to corporate uh, developers who are displacing working class residents and renters from their communities. You want to continue to give TIFs to Target, which is out here stealing uh, their workers' wages every single day. Like, no, we got the money. You just rather like subsidize corporate and and, um, profit driven um, businesses in our cities. That's where you want to direct that money towards. And we're like, no, you need to run those coins back. And the way that we know that's got to happen is through either taxation, which we know there is some state pre- preemptions on it. Mm, but fees. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Yes. But fees. And this is the thing with like being a public servant. You need to be creative. Like, yeah. I mean, even right now, rent control, which is also going to be voted on too, and which we're supporting. They told us four, four years ago, you can't do rent control. The state preempts that. It's like, guess what? We could do a charter amendment. That's how we also got the 15 minimum wage that we um, successfully fought for in 2017. We heard the same arguments. You can't do this. The state prevents this big, big business that this is illegal. It's like, surprise, surprise. Let's search through our toolkit of things to do to make change happen. Like, and we could get this done. So one of the things that we can do to start to, um, you know, fight back against our extractive economy it's to leverage fees on these corporate interests. We're talking about passing an Airbnb tax, like what I mentioned earlier. We have 10 encampments that are growing by the day. It absolutely makes no sense why we have luxury, like 
apartments in our communities that are sitting vacant because the landlords want to lease it out as an Airbnb. No, no, you need to be you need to be penalized for that. Like somebody needs to be in that apartment. And if you're not going to make that happen, trust me, you're not about to make no profit off of basically supporting a housing crisis in our city. Uh, we can leverage fees on um, businesses like what Seattle did. Um, Seattle got creative and said, let's do um, a head tax for all the employees of Amazon because that's the big you know, business over there. And we can use that revenue to create city-owned social housing. And that was gonna bring in $240 million every year. We can look at doing the same thing. Target is one of the largest and, and most respected you know, corporations um, in our city. And as I also mentioned, are often one of the biggest culprits of wage theft. Let's start leveraging taxes on them. Like they don't often pay property taxes. We need to say, no, you need to start doing that. So there's a number of tools that we can use. Mansion taxes. Why are we selling mansions at a, a housing crisis? Like, no, you need to run run that money back and, the, and then we can use that revenue to actually support like funding our collective needs, our social infrastructures. So there's a number of ways in which we can look at just through fees um, or levies of how we can start to um, reverse <laughs> the effects of trickle down uh, economics because none of that money trickles down to our communities. We need to start actually taking hold of that wealth and redirecting it back into the pockets of working class people. We will be back with Robin right after the jump. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. 
Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I think, um, I mean, a lot of what, a lot of the funds that could be generated through levies and visas you're describing could be put into, you know, like social housing and things like yes. that. But one thing that interest, interested me about your uh, platform is uh, in the discussion of the housing, you, you, you touched on the tent cities and the Airbnbs and stuff. Um, uh, what seemed to me to be like an inclusionary zoning policy mm. of like new developments and a certain amount of affordable housing. And then mm. I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit more about your vision, if any, for working with private developers to ensure that with regards to housing in particular, mm-hmm. you know, we're actually getting housing for the people. So I think for sure the first step is we need to pass a strong rent control policy. Like the fact right now, Minneapolis passed a 2040 plan that authorized the creation of hundreds, let me not say hundreds, thousands of new um, um, housing units under multi like apartment complexes that again are largely cost burden housing, meaning whoever move in there, likely you are, 30% of your annual income is going to go towards rent alone in that unit. Um, so we need to be um, placing a cap on those rents <laughs> right now to make sure, you know, folks are not having to choose between, I don't know, cooking, buying groceries or rent. So we're supporting rent control. Um, one of the other measures that we're talking about is the city has the ability to buy back some of those units and hmm. put those in a land trust, put mm-hmm. those in um, our public housing portfolio um, like start getting those back off of the private markets. Um, and also another big thing that we're talking about doing is um, right now the the rent of our uh, housing um, or the market rate housing is determined through an average median income. And that average median e- income right now is based off of like 80% of the average income for the metro residents, like metro wide, is not looking at Minneapolis specific. And that's largely why they will say a one bedroom apartment um, at, you know, $1,500, that's totally reasonable. It's not. We need to be reducing that. It's, it's the, the acronym is AMI. We're talking about reducing yeah. that to 30% or at mm-hmm. minimum 50% of Minneapolis average income. I mean, median income, because then we can see those rents going back down to like, okay, 1100 for a one bedroom, 900 for a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like it's not giving this a uh, wide threshold, which is largely profits for the corporate developers who are building this housing and overseeing it. Um, so we're talking about reining back in the AMI. But again, you got a couple that with, um, uh, rent control. We also, again, need to be buying back units, getting those units that are now being used for Airbnbs. We need to be putting those into city-owned land trusts, um, adding those to our um, public housing portfolio because we've privatized so much of it so far. And then using that revenue, again, through taxing um, some of these corporate developers and the rich to actually start constructing our own city-owned housing. Um, where again, that basis, we could say 30% AMI. Like if we want to charge $500 for a studio or $800 for a one bedroom, we can do that because the city owned. Mm-hmm. That's the future that I'm invested in because clearly the private, the private market will never meet that needs. It, it, it clearly is not doing it now. People are literally living in tents year round. And I don't know if you've ever been to Minneapolis or, or your listeners. I have. Yeah. I played a show. I played a show somewhere in Minneapolis 
many years ago. Was it during the winter? <laughs> no. Oh, hell no. Nah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. Nah, I'm from the South, baby. Nah. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold as hell. Nah, y'all can keep that. It's cold. People are literally living outside in a tundra in a tent. And we literally have units just sitting empty. That's a problem. We need to need to be like running that back into city owned and democratically owned um, cooperatives or land trusts. Like, no, it cannot. We cannot keep relying on the private housing market because it's failing us. Yeah, period, period. Yep. So a little bit of time we got left. Like, what is your coalition, your governing coalition look like ideally? Because, you know, you can have <laughs> I, I saw this. I got in. I got in in 2018. I was the only person of color 20 years younger than everybody else. Mm. Only only socialist abolitionist and that bitch. And like, it was like, oh, I gotta get shit done now or try to with these mm-hmm. like old ass white people that <laughs> like are like, do, will not even make eye contact with me. And so I'm always very curious when I interview candidates or talk to candidates, you know, just different, different municipalities, mm-hmm. like what you, for, what, what your ideal governing coalition looks like, mm-hmm. what it's looking to probably shake out like and how that's going to impact mm-hmm. the way you move within the space of, of, of city council. Yeah, we're super excited about this because we, our team was just talking about this. We're about to release our community, uh, our community commitment plan of how we're going to do that, a bill. Um, a co-governance structure with working class people, you know, driving it. And one of the biggest things that we're saying, like to hold the core of it, we need to create a community office right in our ward. Right now, all of the offices are out in City Hall in downtown Minneapolis, where the lobby is and um, U.S. Bank can get to your elected leader and basically tell them, yo, I need I need you to sell out working class people in this way. No, if you're going to ask us to sell out working class people, we need you to come to where the people are. So we're going to have a community office and city council gets paid pretty well. So all of my staff has agreed to or will agree to um, using a portion of our money, our salaries to not only fund this office, but to also fund um, staff to do the coordinating work of building our grassroots coalition, which will definitely include, you know, unions. Um, My ward is also home to the largest student community in the city because we have two large universities. So we need to make sure we're having a student, um, you know, representation. Um, And we're actually going to put together a student um, group on campus um, so that we're making sure we're meeting with them continuously. Um, but that coalition is also going to include renters because, again, my ward is majority renters as well as that's that's the demographic of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to also have um, healthcare workers um, because that's a particular need right now. Um, of we're literally closing down hospitals and we know we're entering into a, another peak of like the Delta variant. It makes no sense. Um, but that coalition will also include small business owners. And I'm literally talking about small businesses and micro businesses, not uh, the 200,000 employees that like to pretend that they are and actually help close down small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're literally talking about what that structure looks like right now. We're really excited of like, how do we hold people's assemblies? Like, you know, organizing committees, using a precinct captain strategy that we're using now for our field operations so that it's actually working class people who are continuously having conversations around our platform and how we're advancing it together right on their blocks. Um, Because it's going to have to take that hyper-localized, like, organizing the tribe this forward 
Um, and another big piece of our community kind of engagement strategy is also participatory budgeting because city council here has oversight over the budget and it they hardly fight for mass investments into anything. So this is an opportunity where we can actually work with the coalitions of, of stakeholder groups that I described to actually build a robust budget that again shifts the wealth that we generate for big business back into our hands and back into our needs. Um, so we're really excited to use that as a tool. But yes, we're going to be releasing that because that's what we dream of. Like, that's what we're practicing now. Like, how yeah. to have working class people really drive, their, mm-hmm. like building their own political independence. Amazing. Well, tell us where we can keep in touch with you, where we can donate, where we can learn more about yes. your work. Um, Love the coins. Yes, you can... Uh, follow us on all social media channels at Robin for Minneapolis. Either it's going to be Robin F O R M P L S or Robin number four M P L S. But we are going to um, we are on all the social media channels. Actually, we got a, tw- uh, a TikTok, so even come see oh, us okay. over there. I know. Look at that. We're trying to be real millennial status. Um, but we're on Facebook, social media. Um, uh, Instagram, Twitter. And then we have our website, Robin, F-O-R-M-P-L-S. That's where you also can find our podcast because we're connecting with community leaders in Minneapolis to show how movements are very active and strong um, around a number of issues. So we have our podcast there. That's how you can find out how to support door knocks, phone banks. Where And this is from wherever you're at. Like, you can come down and visit us or we can find a way to get you somebody's uh, phone bank, bank sheet. But we're going to make space for you. Um, and you can also find our donation link up on our website. Um, we appreciate all the coins. So far, we've been able to raise over $60,000 just um, on just grassroots, like or, working class people. Okay. Our, yeah, our average donation is $30. And it's just like, yes, up. yes. So... We appreciate every dollar um, and it's going towards really building a political revolution here in Minneapolis. Um, but yeah, please share our social media, share our posts, share the articles. We've written a number, I think, of powerful articles that lays out political analysis of what we're dealing with here in Minneapolis and how it connects to the nationwide fight for justice and a new mandate on public safety. So you can find all that on our website, too. Um, but yeah, let folks know, you know, the, the political revolution, the movement is not dead here in Minneapolis and our campaign is running on it. We are the extension of it. Um, and we plan to win come November and continue to bring those demands that was inspired by George Floyd into fruition and fight unapologetically alongside working class people to make every one of those demands happen because we deserve it and we ain't got no choice. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back when you're in office. You can let us know, know how it's going and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, yes. And that is our episode for this week. Want to give a massive shout out to Robin for taking the time to talk with Mariah. That was some dope shit. And we are wishing them well in their quest to take office. Um, I don't really have too much to add to it except for you know what i do i'm a rapping ass dude yeah hey joel can you kick that beat please oh yo we waiting uh we waiting uh we waiting on reparations yeah 
All right, let's kick it. Yo, yo, I am dirty and grit, nerdy as shit. Read Hindu scrolls, find words that can flip. It's decadence, even put a bird on the spit. Tell me that my rhyme book is like the worth of a brick. Drink drugs out of golden chalice. Give me hugs, cause they know my talent. Treat me like slug, cause I know my balance. Pothead with some bud and a soda gallon. Life's bad calls, only know if you throw a challenge. Rappers faking it, acting like it's the truth. I'ma go and show you who's illest up in the booth. Acting like a menace, I'm dentist, I take a tooth. Knock it out the park, I'm a bigger babe in the roof. Oh, dope, 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 dope. All right, all right. My name is Dope Knife, and you are listening to Waiting on Reparations. See y'all next week. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.